hey, man, only Jesus for the longest time. That was one of my favorite worship songs. Thanks for jumping on to our online location. I'm so glad that you're here. Uh, my name is Josh, and I'm the lead pastor of Grace Free Church. Listen, whenever you're watching this, wherever you're watching this, we're believing God's going to do something big in your life and in this online community. And uh, I'm really excited to jump into talk number two of our brand new series called All the Feels, Learning How to Feel in Times Like These. We're going to jump into this one right away, if that's cool with you. So grab your Bible and settle your heart with me as we kind of like pray and ask God to do His thing. Dear God, we just thank you so much that we have this online location that we can gather and dig into your word together, that we can learn from you. We're weary and heavy burdened, and you say, come to, come to me. Come to me, and I'll give you rest. My yoke is easy. My burden is light, and that's what we need. So this morning, we just want to trade all of the burdens we've been carrying for what you've got for us. Would you, would you help seep that through our speakers, uh, wherever we're experiencing this online location, however, whenever, we know that your spirit isn't limited by that stuff. Just help us trade our burdens for what you got. What you got is better and leads us to better places. Help us to experience the goodness of you and your word in our lives, not just on a, on a Sunday or a Monday or a Wednesday or whenever we're jumping onto the online location. Help us to experience it all throughout the week. We ask all this in Jesus' name, amen. Last week, we started our series with the one thing that keeps us from really talking about or getting real about all of our other emotions, all of our other feelings, and that's fear. Fear keeps us from going there. It keeps us from talking about it. It can paralyze us. It can be the undercurrent running through our lives. We got to deal with that first. I hope that you're taking courageous steps past your fear to follow Jesus. It always leads to better places. I got good news for you. Like today, we got lined up talk number two. It's a really happy, <laughs> it's not. It's called I'm So Sad. Listen, I know that's a depressing title, and right now you're thinking, man, I should have had more espresso, or maybe this is a good time to take a nap. But hang on with me for a second, because while sadness isn't certainly a very happy feeling to be talking about, and we'll get to some of the happy stuff later, it is one that can give you a lot of freedom. Learning what to do with your sadness from a spiritual perspective can have an effect on all of you, all of your physical experience, all of your relationships. Knowing what to do with sadness from God's perspective can really help everything get better. Now, Disclaimer, if you're struggling with depression, this is not to replace the things you got to struggle with. The brain is a part of the body, just like every other part of the body, and it needs a doctor, just like every other part of the body sometimes needs a doctor. Don't WebMD it. Don't just jump on here and stop taking whatever medicine your doctor prescribed. But if you're dealing with sadness, and understanding what God says about how to walk through it, it makes everything better because sadness affects everything. You know this. Like the best actor in the history of the United States of America played a character role named Dwight Schrute on the epic 
best series ever, The Office. And when Angela finally broke him up with him and chose Andy, and it's a long thing back and forth, but you could see his physical appearance change, the weight on his shoulder he was carrying around, executed with like just epic Oscar-style performance. I can't even, Rain Wilson, that's the guy's name who played it, so that shows you how great he is. Like, right, come on, like th those actors that portray sadness, they can communicate sadness, whatever movie, who, whatever actor, if they're good, just by how they look, by how they hold their face, by how they walk through a room. You can read whether somebody is sad sometimes just by looking at them, looking at their facial, I guess not their facial hair right now, but you know, looking at how they're carrying themselves because sadness, it can affect everything. It's, it's one of those sinking feelings. It's one of those heavy weights. It's, it's one of the things that burdens us the most. Sadness, when it takes kind of root in our hearts, it can affect how we communicate, how we take care of ourselves, how we take care of people we care about. It can affect our job performance. It can affect, it affects every relationship. It just is one of those feelings that, that gives us the weight that brings everything down. And sometimes we end up in that place if you're dealing with depression because of a chemical imbalance in your head, but if you're dealing with sadness, sometimes you end up in that place because of pressure mounting up from life circumstances. The pressure in life, the different circumstances you're dealing with, are you under a little bit of pressure right now? It can lead you to a place where you feel like you can't really do anything about it and you just feel sad. Sometimes sadness can come from feeling out of balance. You get different things out of balance in your life, different parts of your health out of balance, different parts of your relationships out of balance, and it can leave you feeling sad. Sometimes it's a culmination of a bunch of other feelings that mix in and then equal sadness. You're frustrated, disappointed, been stabbed in the back, feel betrayed, feel feel like you're not getting anywhere, feel like you can't overcome the circumstances, feel overwhelmed, and those things can all end up playing out in your heart as sadness. And when sadness resides in your heart, it affects everything. So it may not be a fun topic to talk about. I mean, I'd rather throw a party than talk about being sad. But it is something that can make everything better when we learn how to walk through it the way God calls us to walk through it. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with you if you're dealing with sadness right now. I, I don't know why we get that idea that, oh, everybody in church should be happy all the time, so let's all pretend. Like, I don't know if your experiences have been that you've gone to church, and because you've gone to church, in church you're not allowed to be sad, you're not allowed to be depressed, you're, you're not doing the God thing right if you're, if you're feeling sad or depressed. That's just a bunch of garbage. You know, so many of the characters in the Bible, if they didn't deal with actual depression, dealt with sadness. Moses cried out to God to end his life. Elijah ran away in fear and asked God to take his life. He couldn't go on. So Jeremiah is the sad prophet. That's what they called the dude. It's like his middle nickname. It's like Jeremiah, the sad one, last name. I don't know. The Bible is full 
of really godly people who wrestle with this stuff. And if you're wrestling with sadness, you need to know that there isn't anything wrong with you, but you also need to know that there are better ways to walk through it if you're following God's ways. Ways that can lead you quicker to places of peace, joy, rest. Come to me, all you who are heavy <laughs> and burdened. And that's what sadness does. Esther was this, or sorry, not Esther, Naomi. Esther was last week. Naomi was this um, woman who lived in the time where there was no king of Israel. Judges were God's people placed in Israel to lead the, the nation. These judges, maybe you've heard of some of them. Samson was a judge. Gideon was a judge. There's a bunch of different famous judges. The stories recorded in scripture of them are found in the book of Judges, and they're absolutely incredible. But then right after that book, you have the book of Ruth. And Ruth tells the story of Ruth, duh, but also Naomi. In fact, the story starts with Naomi. You see, it was during the time of Judges when there was no king that there was a famine in the land of Israel. During this famine, Naomi and her husband and her two sons left Israel and went to live for a while in the country of Moab. They were refugees, not like the cool kind of like the refugees from like 90s R&B rap scene, not like those kind of refugees, like refugees, like the refugees that hit the news, like refugees you see living in, in village tents outside of their countries fear, with, because of fear of persecution or because of war, like refugees who seek shelter in countries like our country, for instance, that's who Naomi was. I mean, talk about a rough start that gets even rougher. The days Naomi was living in were so difficult and so painful, so hard that most of us never will get to experience that level of intensity, even living through a pandemic. She had to leave her country with her people just to find food and drink. It's crazy when we can just drive down in the middle of a pandemic and go through a drive through and get a two liter of cola. <laughs> Nobody calls it a two liter of cola. Naomi, Naomi um, takes her, it's such a rough spot, they go to Moab. And while in Moab, the rough gets rougher. See, while there, excuse me, Naomi's husband died, and then her two sons who were married, one was married to Orpah, it'd be so much easier to say if it was Oprah, and the other was married to Ruth. They lived there 10 years in total, refugees, and Naomi lost everything. Her family. All that she's left with is her two daughter-in-laws. Obviously, she is crushed. At the heart of sadness often lies a sense of loss. Maybe it's a loss of direction. Maybe it's a loss of relationships. Maybe it's a loss of people. Maybe it's an actual loss of someone who died. Maybe it's a loss of a dream. Maybe it's a loss of a hope. Maybe it's a loss of 
belief, maybe it's a loss of trust, maybe it's a loss of joy. At the heart of sadness often is loss. And loss can look, sadness can look like so many other things. That's why we talk about things and we know things like in grief share group, we walk through things together, um, the, the stages of grief. Loss and sadness, it can look, sadness can look like shock, sadness can look like anger, sadness can look like denial, sadness can look like bargaining, sadness for Naomi looks like just desperation and despair. She gathers her daughter-in-law, the only two people she knows left in the world, the only two people close to her that had been through all of that with her. She, she gathers them and she says, you gotta, you gotta go, just leave me. I don't have any more sons. I'm not gonna have any more sons. Everybody I have is gone. Your husbands are dead. Like, I lost everything. Just go back to your people. I release you. Just go back, leave me. Go back and they cry out. They cry out to her, don't, we don't want to return home. And she gathers them and they're weeping out loudly. And finally she convinces them, Orpah to go away and go back to her people and her own land. They're weeping again aloud, it says in verse 14. And Oprah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye. But Ruth, her other daughter-in-law, clung to her. Look, said Naomi. Your sister-in-law is going back to the people and, the God, and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. Naomi had lost everything. It felt like she had lost everything. She hadn't actually lost everything. In the darkest spots of sadness, it always feels like there's no hope. Like there's no one there for you. Like no one really cares. Like you're all alone in this. Like everybody has left the building. Like there's no future for you. Like it never gets any better. In the depth of despair and sadness, it always feels like that. But those are always lies. Naomi felt like she had always lost, but here she had these daughter-in-laws who were with her. She had lost everything and now she was trying to push everything away. Why do we try to push away the one thing we need? Why when we, when we are sad do we try to isolate ourselves when the very thing we need to get better is to bring people close and let them hold the weight of our sadness with us. You might be dealing with sadness. And our first reaction, your first reaction, my first reaction is usually to push everybody away and just deal with the sadness by ourselves. And the weight gets heavier and heavier and heavier. And if you have been dealing with sadness alone, that needs to stop right now. God is providing you with some people, some help. The lies aren't true. 
You do have a future. Things can get better. God is working for your good in all things. He loves you and cares about you. He is sending an army of people for you. You're experiencing it right now. That's why he sent us. We push people away because maybe we're afraid of what they think. Afraid they'll think we're broken. Maybe we're afraid they'll think we're lose. I don't know. Sometimes I think we, we think we push people away because we don't want to be contagious. We don't want to spread our terrible feeling out to people around us. Sometimes we push people away because people caused the sadness. So we think, why would we ever expect people to help relieve the sadness? Listen, if a person has caused the sadness, God is also sending you people to help you out of that. The last thing we need is to isolate, yet it's the first thing we do. And we can't help you carry your burden if you never let us see your burden. Jesus got sad. Bet, bet you didn't know that. Think about that. He looked over his people after his friend Lazarus had died, and he wept. He, he experienced sadness often. And he would always pray cry out about it. He wouldn't keep silent and he never stayed isolated. And he would seek fellowship with his father. Don't push away the one thing that can help you walk through sadness. You see, in God's family, we deal with this stuff together. And we carry this stuff together. Naomi has this one person that sticks. Ruth is so faithful. We need some more Ruths in our lives. We need people like this Ruth in our life. She was so faithful. She lived so, she cared so much. She said, I'm not going anywhere. God can deal with me, but I'm going to die the same time you die. You can't get rid of me. You can't push me away. You can't scare me off. I see your pain. I feel your pain with you. I'm going to weep with you. I'm going to mourn with you. You're not the only one that's lost someone. I've lost someone too. I'm in this with you. You see, there's something so special about Ruth because Ruth, she sees the pain of someone she cares about and she says, I'm not going anywhere. You can't push me away. Try pushing me away. It's not going to work. You can't scare me off. There's nothing you could tell me that's going on in your heart or your mind that's going to have me turn my back on you. I'm in it to win it with you. I'm not going anywhere. And as long as I'm alive, you're not going through anything alone. We need more Ruths. We need more Ruths. And in, in the day, this day and age, it seems like it's harder and harder and harder to find people like Ruth. But every once in a while, you find a cluster of them. You're a cluster. You're a cluster of them. The people of this church, this online community, they're a cluster of people who won't just walk away from you, who won't be easily pushed off. They won't be scared off by your struggle or your garbage or your sadness. They, they won't 
leave you to walk through it alone. You're a cluster. You're a cluster of people like Ruth who are faithful and who will love you even when you're different. I love this place. And it's good you found this place and these people. Leave your isolation behind and take a step of trust, allowing them to share the burden with you. Ruth, she was going to have to walk through some stuff. It didn't get easy. This stuff doesn't get better overnight. You can't like wave a wand and, oh, I don't feel sad anymore. You can't just like figure out, I'm done grieving. I lost all that stuff and now I'm over it. It doesn't work like that. You see, as you're walking through sadness, you just got to walk that journey one step at a time, one day at a time, one week, one month, just one step after the other. And while you are walking through your sadness, God is going to be birthing new spaces of life. He is going to be be preparing the way for joy. I mean, Jesus even said it to his disciples. Your sorrow is going to turn to joy. Just walk through it with me. Psalm 42, it's our psalm. Are you doing the psalm challenge with us? Like one psalm a day, it's 150 days. It feels long, but it is going to change your life and perspective. Try it with me. Do the psalm challenge before you jump on the news, before you scroll Facebook, before you get all worked up about all kinds of nonsense. Do the psalm challenge with me. Psalm 42 is a psalm, and it's about these people these are the sons of Korah. Some commentaries think that maybe it was even David. Whoever wrote Psalm 42 wrote Psalm 43, and it's likely that it wasn't David, but it could apply to his life too. And the sons of Korah, they wrote this song in an extended period of time where they were felt like they were not allowed to be in fellowship with the people they loved fellowshipping with. They were not allowed to go to the temple and worship with the people they usually worshiped with. They were far from all of that space, and so they weren't able to go to that place they loved, kind of like now, right? Like you're all like, I want to be in the same room with you. Well, you can't be. So Psalm 42, it really applies. They say, as a deer pants for streams of water... So my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for you. When can I go meet with you, God? And then in verses 3, 7, and 9, you get these descriptions of walking with the sadness. My tears have been my food day and night. While people say to me all day long, where is your God? If you skip down to verse 7, uh, deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All the waves and breakers have swept over me. Like it feels like I'm drowning in this. Verse 9, I say to my God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony. My foes taunt me saying, where is your God? They're, they're experiencing such sadness. They're, they're feel like they're being drowned, like all they're eating is their tears, like even their bones are crying out. But what you get in this beautiful picture of Psalm 42, and if you were to include Psalm 43, is you get in the middle of them walking through this sadness, you get little glimpses of light. And that's what God does as you walk through your sadness. He sustains you. 
We don't always see it. Sometimes we're distracted. We miss the little glimpses, but they're there. And if you're dealing with sadness, if you're walking through a valley, take pause and, and start to look for God as you walk through your days because what you will find is what these psalmists found, little glimpses of hope, little, little glimpses of light creeping through the darkness. Little, and, and that's the stuff you got to hold on to. you got to let those moments hold on to you. You need to fix your attention on the small glimmers of hope and light that pop into your life because as you give them your attention, they will expand. Philippians 4.8, whatever is true, noble, right, whatever is pure, lovely, admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. It's not when all things are excellent. It says if any, if you can find any little glimpse, hang on to it. What are the little things you can hold on to right now? Maybe this message is one of them. Maybe one of the songs is one of them. Maybe somebody talking to you in the comments is one of them. What's a little thing you can hold on to that you can fix your attention to right now? There's got to be something if there's anything fix your focus on it hold on to it it's God showing up in your life as you walk through these sad circumstances and one day like Jesus promised the disciples like it says in the book of James your sadness your suffering will turn to joy You get these little glimpses. I, I pant for you. I pant my soul. It wants more of you, God, in verse 1. I remember, verse 4, how I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. Whatever a festive throng is, it sounds pretty solid. It's a little glimpse, a memory of how God was good, of how good it was to worship Him. It's something to hold on to. This is light in the darkness to give your attention to. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to praise you. Put, put your hope in God. My soul is downcast. Some versions say cast down. That's about right. Cast down. That's what sadness feels like. But he says in verse 5, put your hope in God. Yet I will praise him. It's a little glimpse of light and hope. I'm going to worship him even when I feel sad. I'm going to get into this song even if I don't feel like singing, singing it. Excuse me. I'm going to get all excited. Like I'm going to. It's a little light in the darkness give your attention to. Give your attention to God. Seek Him. Remember His goodness. Remember when it was good. Remember the times He felt close. Reflect on God's goodness. Reflect on His character. Reflect on the times He has shown up in your life. Give your attention to those moments, not the circumstances or the pressures or the feelings that are overwhelming you and filling your heart with sadness. Give more attention to God than the problems of your life. Grab onto and hold onto the little glimpses of light. Crack praise into the darkness. Sing a song when everybody else around you would wail in pain and hope again. Because with God, one day, your sadness will turn to joy. 
Jesus promised this in John 16 and verses 16 through 24, right before the disciples would go to some of the, through some of the toughest stuff in their lives. And it would happen for Naomi too. You see, she went home and she realized she did have some family, some distant relatives. One of them was named Boaz. They got back to Jerusalem or Bethlehem, sorry, not Jerusalem, right as the barley harvest was happening. And uh, they hook up with Boaz and they go to work in the fields. And that's where Ruth meets Boaz. And Ruth and Boaz fall in love. And this is a great thing. And Naomi, as she's walking through her pain, her family is getting closer. They're growing together. She's building some relationships. She's getting some friends. You don't really see it in all of the story until the end. And it says at the end of the story of Ruth and Naomi, it says in, verse, in chapter 4 and verse 13, so Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. They have a child and they gave birth to a son. The women, listen to that, said to Naomi, see now she's not isolated. She doesn't just have one person. She's got a bunch of women rooting for her. You see, even as she was walking through her pain, God was growing her crew. He's growing your crew right now as you watch this. We're your crew. We're in it with you. He's expanding her crew. She has friends who are rooting for her. They are for her. They are on her side. They are happy for her. And that's our heart for you, whoever you are, whatever your life looks like. We are for you. We are rooting for you. We want to celebrate you and all of the wins you have. It says, the women said to Naomi, praise be to God who this day has not left you without a guardian redeemer. They're celebrating good. Listen to these words. May he become famous throughout Israel. Sounds crazy, right? But it becomes true. It's so prophetic. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. You see, here's the thing about that. Boaz and Ruth have a son. The son's name is Obed. I know that's a crazy name. Not a lot of, well, actually now millennials are running around naming. Yeah, so like it's a good name. If you got the name, it's a great name. Like Obed is the father of Jesse. Jesse is the father of King David. Jesus comes through the line of King David. What? You see, this wasn't just the crew speaking what they thought was a good blessing, you know, at the baby shower. No. This was God speaking through the people around Naomi, declaring that she has a guardian redeemer who would become famous throughout Israel, that would renew her life and sustain her in her old age. That son was Obed, the grandfather of King David, whose line would eventually bring us Jesus. It's an amazing thing. It gave her new life. It birthed a new dream for her. It started to fill the empty spaces. And her suffering turned to joy. Like I know you're walking through some stuff. 
and maybe it's difficult. You don't have to walk through it alone. Stop isolating yourself. God is providing you with some people. He's expanding your crew. He's going to see your suffering turn to joy if you just give him your sadness and follow him with it. Hold on to the glimmers of light. The little places hope birthed itself into your heart. Hold on, crack some praise into the darkness and see what happens. God's got you and we're for you too. Let's pray. Dear God, we just thank you that we don't have to deal with our sadness. It's a heavy weight. It's so hard to function with it. But you are with us in the middle of it. There's nothing wrong with us if we're dealing with sadness. So many of your people, you chose to do incredible things, wrestled with it. But there is a way to follow you through it that leads to a better spot. If anybody's feeling hopeless, would they know right now that they can have hope through you? If anyone is feeling lost in their pain, sadness, or suffering the loss of a dream or a person or a hope, would they know that in you they could have renewed hope and life, that you can fill the empty spaces of their soul? Thank you, Jesus. Amen.